3: This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god, walking amongst mere mortals.
0: He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On VSN, the sports betting network.
4: It is our number two of the Greg Peterson experience, right here on VSN, the sports betting network. And we've got a tremendous hour number two coming up. As we go with a lot of college, we're going to be leading off with college basketball. I've got my DK Nation write-up for the hardwood on Tuesday coming up, and you've got to be diving into that. On top of that, we're going to be joined by Albert Wynn. You know him better as analytics. Capper, he is going to be joining me. We've got some Tuesday matching that is coming up. We've got 27 straight days that we are in the middle of right now in which we've got non-stop action in terms of football. There's one either college or pro football game every single day in the middle of this stretch, so... It is absolutely tremendous. We've got to get you guys a little bit of action. Take a look at what we're all seeing in the sports landscape in general with him. So we're going to have a good time with it. and Got to give a little bit of credit where credit is due to everyone behind the scenes as you've got my wonderful producer, Jason Kahn. He books all these guests. He always does a great job of keeping me in line in general. You got technical director, Nick, everything that you're seeing on vcin.com, all the graphics, everything like that. We've got you guys covered there. You've got Taylor. He gets me set up on audio night in and night out. He does an absolutely amazing job. Those of you guys listening on the iHeartRadio app or those of you guys just listening on Terrestrial Radio. We've added a lot of radio stations. We've got you guys covered there. And then we've got Sean. He is a little bit of a newer gentleman to us. I know that he came in a few weeks ago. He's doing absolutely amazing work, helping us out. The newest member of v and a man that is a big part of the Greg Peterson experience. All these guys, they do absolutely top-notch work. They always do a great job of backing me up and making sure that we've got everything that we need to be successful. And now it's time for me to deliver because guys behind the scenes, they've got us covered. Now I've got to get you guys covered. We're right now 1-0 on the DK Nation write-ups. We're looking to go to 2 0 and. We're going to be adding to the great state of Pennsylvania for this one. 755, 756 on the betting board. It is Duquesne, and Duquesne is going to be playing us in Montana. We're seeing a little bit of a line move right now on this one. Montana opened up as a six-point underdog. Now in a lot of places, we're seeing between 4.5 and 5.5. And and 4.5 is the low mark that I'm seeing. 5.5 is high mark. I think there might still be a stray six, but we're mostly seeing a lot of five, five and a halfs in the market, and your tolerance game is anywhere between 135.5 and, and 136. I set Montana as a one-point underdog, so even if this were to get down to, like, two, I would still like Montana in this spot. This Duquesne team is dealing with an injury to Tevin Brewer. He is their most important transfer, as he averaged last season while he was at Florida International 15 points, 5.5 assists, on nearly 40% three-point shooting. There's a very, very slim chance that he could play in this one, but he had complications with an appendectomy a few weeks ago, so just on a humanity standpoint, you hope for absolutely nothing but the best for Tevin Brewer. I mean, you don't want that to be happening to anyone whatsoever, but you've got to take a look at this in terms of a little bit more of a dollars and cents view, and well, that is not going to be helping out the bottom line of Duquesne, and Duquesne... They were terrible last year. They were 6-24. They were 354th in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Now they have to go up against a Montana team that they add in their Aiden Moody, He was at Southern Utah last season, and Deshaun Thomas. Thomas was playing for Colorado State. Saw a couple starts last year at Colorado State. Six-foot-nine combo player. He, along with Moody, both shot over 40% from three-point range. And Josh Bannon, he's going to be offering all sorts of versatility for this Montana team. He returns after averaging 15 points, 8.2 boards, shooting 35% 35% from three-point range as a six-foot-ten, very nice stretch player. Now with Montana, they are missing a few pieces from last season in the backcourt, like a Cameron Parker. He decided that he was going to be moving on, so that does hurt them a little bit. But this Duquesne team, they just have no chemistry whatsoever, year in and year out, because Mr. Steve Damrot, he needs to continue to, or Keith Damrot, he needs to continue to hit the transfer portal time and time again. They really have not been able to keep a lot of guys in the program. They've got four out of their top six scorers from last season who's out of it. Trey Williams is able to give you six rebounds per game. So you have a nice little edge with regards to that. And I do think that it's going to be a Duquesne team that they're going to have a relatively tough time moving forward as Montana. They were 34th in the country in terms of fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis not having Tevin Brewer. He's really your best on-ball defender being out there. That is going to be hurting them as well. And when it comes to this Duquesne-Dukes team, it's not like they were necessarily efficient on offense either. I pointed out how bad they were at allowing opponents to shoot from three, 349th in the country in terms of field goal shooting percentage at home. Uh, great folks out there in the state of Pennsylvania, which is where Duquesne is located, have got a lot to cheer for. They had the Philadelphia Phillies be able to make the World Series. I really feel bad for the MLS team that made it all the way to the Cup and then they lose on shootouts. But and you got the 76ers that I think are going to be able to pick things up. The Flyers, they certainly have been far from a disappointment. The Philadelphia Eagles have went undefeated to begin the season. Duquesne, I don't think, is going to be able to hold up with all the great success that we've seen with these Pennsylvania teams. I do think that it's going to be a tough one for them. With Montana, I am taking the points. That is the DK Nation right up in terms of this one. A semi-total at a 131 with Duquesne. They're not necessarily an up-tempo team. With having Tevin Brewer most likely out of the fold as well, they're probably going to need to play a little bit slower because you're going to have not, I should say, not necessarily native ball handlers handling the ball. It probably goes to Dada Grant, who comes in from Miami of Ohio, which we're credited to. a three-point shooter, four, 17 points, right around four assists per contest. But, Having to defer those behind the duties to him, I don't think it's necessarily going to be too great for them. So a situation where I'm looking at the under with Duquesne, I set them as a one-point favorite. I think that this is a relative toss-up game. I personally am going to be playing it safe with the points. If you're looking to get a little bit frisky, if you're looking for a little bit of a money line payout, this could be one where you find a little bit of value. That said, I'm going to be sticking with the points in this spot, taking them with Montana to go along with this little under as well. How about if we go with a very classic pick em game and 757-758 on the board. This is East Carolina. They're going to be playing us a mercer. Mercer is a one to a one and a half point favorite. Actually, here at Circa. It is the lone book that I'm seeing, but they are the lone book that I have right now that has East Carolina as a one-point favorite themselves, but very tight line. Twilight's game is anywhere between 137 and 137.5. And, and I think the folks at Circa know what the heck they are doing because I did set East Carolina as a one and a half point favorite. I've got this line essentially a reverse with East Carolina. They are undergoing a little bit of a new coaching regime, but that said, I do think that there is quite a bit of upside for this team. East Carolina, they do lose quite a few guys from last season, but they return Brandon Johnson. Johnson, he's able to give this team right in the neighborhood about five rebounds per contest. I think that he's going to be doing for a solid season. And then the guy that I think is really the X factor for East Carolina is Winston tabs tabs has been all sorts of banged up. He missed the 2021-22 season due to just injury in general, but in the 17 games they played at Boston College, was a double-figure scorer, shot 36% from three-point range. He's able to dole out two and a half assists per contest as well, so I do think that he's going to be able to do a very solid job for an East Carolina team that they do return a little bit of size down low, which I think is Exactly what this team needs because with East Carolina, it's a regime change. Joe Dooley, he's not on the fold. Michael Schwartz, he takes over the program, and with Mr. Schwartz, he comes in after he was able to do a very solid job as an assistant at Tennessee. So he's coming off of the Rick Barnes coaching tree. He brings back Ludgie DeBot. He is a graduate transfer, 7 feet tall. He should be able to do a nice job down low for the team And for Mercer, losing Felipe Haas. It was a six foot nine combo player that was able to shoot over forty percent from three point range last season. That's gonna be a little bit rough for them. Now, the good news with this Mercer team is that they did a nice job of bringing in Jalen Cobb. Cobb is someone that missed all of last season after he transferred in from Fordham, but that's at seven and a half points, three and a half assists per contest. He's gonna keep things going. And James Gillifson, the third. He's a 6'6 six six gentleman that was able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range, 10 points, five rebounds per game. But I can tell that Greg Gary has always been wanting to play a little bit more of a defense-oriented style. This is a Mercer team that they don't necessarily play up-tempo. They do an okay job on the glass, not great, not terrible. They don't get a lot of second-chance opportunities themselves, but they don't give you a lot of second-chance opportunities. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a drag them out game, but I do think that East Carolina, they've got the better height in this game. That is going to be allowed the able to allow them to defend their home court. I did set East Carolina as the one and a half point favorite, so i to take them as a money line underdog, or in the case of if you're betting here at Circa, lay we'll very small one point with them, and I do think that we are going to see a little bit of a defense-oriented style from a gentleman, Mr. Schwartz, that comes off of the Rick Barnes coaching tree, set my total at 135 and a half, so I'm also going to be taking a look at this total under, and then when it comes to this game, you've got one that has moved a tad bit as well. This is 759, 760 on the betting board. Georgia Southern, they're on the road, they're facing off against San Jose State. San Jose State opened up a four point favorite. Now you're finding them at most spots a three and a half. I'm seeing a stray four out there, but we've seen the total go up. Started out at 134 and a half. Now it's like between 135 and a half and 136 and a half. And I do think that this is too lofty of a total with San Jose State. They were in the bottom fifty in terms of possessions per game last season. Now They were also a team that was anemic in terms of defense. They were in the bottom 50 in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But they're going up against a Georgia Southern team that has a collective shot below 32% from three-point range. And Jetty Zediotopoulos, he was the main free-throw shooter for the team. Shot 94% at the free-throw line. He is out of the fold. He actually transferred to Maine. The big key in this game was... Really, on both sides, that would be Amari Moore. He's a six foot six combo player that for San Jose State, I believe that he's the only returning player that led his respective team in all five categories last season. He led the team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He is incredibly impressive now. Due to all that usage, he does turn the ball over right around three and a half times for contest, but also shot 43% from three point range. Abriyama Diallo, he is going to be returning down low for San Jose State as well. He came in from The Ohio State University. He was able to give the team 7.5 rebounds per game, and there's just really nobody on Georgia Southern that is going to be able to match up with that. Now with Georgia Southern, they do return a few backcourt pieces from last season as they've got back at the fold. Someone like Kamari Brown, who was able to give the team 7.5 points per contest. Cam Bryant, along with Kaden Archie, both of these guys, they would give you 7.5 points per contest, but they really don't have that true facilitator, and I just flat out think that Tim Miles is a better coach. So I'm going to be willing to late here with San Jose State, made them a six-point favorite. I think that this is going to be a slow and controlled style game with both of these teams. So that my total at 130. i I'm going to be diving under as well. And coming up next, we go from diving into college basketball to diving into college footballs. So we're going to be joined by analytics capper Albert Wynne next. Here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Fighting Network. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Be sure to go to VEASAN.com while you're either watching slash listening to this show or a little bit afterwards as well for all that we've got to offer. And this man, he's got a lot to offer as it is Albert Wynn. You know him better as the analytics capper. And Albert, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you.
5: Yes, I'm, I'm excited to be on. College basketball season is here, and I'm talking to the college basketball guru, so I'm excited. I'm honored, honestly, to be on your show right now, Greg. I am honored to
4: have you aboard because I know that you do a great job looking at so many different markets. Well, I'm right now doing a lot in college basketball. I know that you've been doing a lot in college football, and we've got college basketball on Tuesday, but we still have Maction as well, and I know you've got a little bit of a take on a team that they tore it up on the hardwood in terms of Toledo. Now they're going to be playing us the Ball State in terms of football on Tuesday. We've seen a little bit of line movement on this one. Toledo open up in a lot of places. A 12 point favorite. Now it's anywhere between 11 and 11.5. 11 so nothing overly major there, but still a little bit of a move. And the total on this game is between 50 and 51, depending upon where you look. And a lot of places are right in the middle at a 50 and a half. What are you saying on this game? As I do think that it's a very fascinating one and honestly a little bit of a low total compared to what we've seen in past years out of the MAC.
5: Yeah, the MAC has actually been um, kind of underdriven the last couple weeks or so. But I like the over in this game at 50.5. A half. Um, couple key numbers there. But Ball State and Toledo, they're both coming off games that both hit under. Uh, Ball State against Kent State last week was 27 20 against a line that was 61.5 on the total. That, that was way under by over two scores. And the other game where there was Toledo, and they played a game that was 27 24, also under the total by three points. I think it's a great spot here to be on the total. On the over, both offenses are playing really well, almost 400 yards for Toledo last week, and almost 440 yards for Ball State. So I think both offenses are doing really well. I think we might get a couple Machin patent, you know, pick sixes or. Um, special team touchdowns in this game.
4: Yep, and I always think that special team touchdowns, those are something to factor in as well. And then I do think that the Eastern Michigan versus Akron game is interesting because this is one that Eastern Michigan opened up as an eight-point favorite. Now we've seen this come down to that critical number of seven. And as a matter of fact, where I am sitting right now, you're seeing a stray six and a half out there as well. The Longs game is 56 and 57. And I do think that the 7 could be very key in this game. And I do think that it's important to shop around on this one. Engage the early morning movement. Because the difference between a six and a half and a 7, absolutely massive if you got Circa in your market.
5: Yeah, I mean, all the value here is on the 1-8 and eight Akron team right at home. Uh, if you can get them at 7, if you can get, get 7.5, I think it's a great number here but it's hard, right? You're playing value here. You're not really playing the team because they are terrible. Both teams right now are four and five against the spread. Um, Akron only averages about 18 and a half points on offense. They give up almost over double that on defense with a dif- differential of 18 and a half points there. Whereas Eastern Michigan, they play really well on offense. Their issue has been defense all year long. So if they can, uh, if Akron can keep Eastern Michigan out of the end zone and force field goals, uh, they do have a good shot at at you know covering the seven, seven and a half. If it's under the, the touchdown, I agree with you, Greg. If it's six and a half, if there's no way I'm going to touch it.
4: Yep, I do think that it's tough as we're seeing this line move quite a bit as we are doing this. And we've seen this line move a little bit as well as right now seeing a sort of divide between books that have Buffalo as a favorite and books that have Central Michigan as a favorite. And you've got a quite a few places that have this game as a pick'em as well. This is actually one of the Wednesday games that we're going to be seeing in terms of action. But that said with Buffalo, it's a total between fifty-four and fifty-four and a half with them being a relative pick'em. Very fascinating game, in my opinion. A Buffalo team that they've had to turn the page from Lance Lightbulb from a few seasons ago and for Central Michigan. Been a little bit of a turnstile for them keeping guys in the fold, but they do seem to do a solid job in terms of the transfer portal and being able to bring in talent as well. Where do you stand on this one?
5: Yeah, this game's a little difficult. This is going to go against what I normally like to handicap Greg. I'm going with the better team here. I'm going with Buffalo money line on the road. Buffalo has been really good all season long, 6-2-1 against the spread. They have, have an elite offense averaging over 30 points a game. Central Michigan, their offense is not too bad as well, but they give up 30 points a game. And I think defense is, is I'm just going to back the better defense really, or fade the the lesser of the two defenses, if you will. So we know Central Michigan, similar to like the Kansas City Chiefs, in the NFL, they don't cover at home. I believe Central Michigan is 0 and 4 against the spread at home. I I don't think they're going to start covering anytime soon. So I do like Buffalo on the road. Um, at the pick them here, so there's a lot of value for the better team, uh, which is Buffalo, and they're 5 and 4 straight up.
4: Yep, I do think that that's something that is very important to point out, and I do think that it is worth a look as well as I do think that it's very important to gauge home field advantage and. When it comes to something like and when it comes to sort of this, shall we say, outside of the Power 5 football, how do you gauge home field advantage? Because I do feel like there are some places that they've got an absolutely ruckus crowd, that it's absolutely amazing. Meanwhile, Central Michigan on a Wednesday evening, I just don't know if that's as big of a crowd as you'd normally expect from a team that they get that those three, sometimes a little bit more points in terms of home field advantage.
5: Yeah, this is not the big house on Saturday night or you know Tuscaloosa on, on Saturday morning. It's not like that. It's it's Wednesday night. Sometimes it's Tuesday night. So midweek action to me is really hard to cap. I really just throw out the the home field advantage to be honest, Greg, and I would love to hear your opinion on that. But a team like Buffalo, right? They only had 260 yards manufactured offense last last week. So they only had 24 points. They go at 45. I just think it's a great spot for them. They are the better team, like I said, and they're coming off a loss, going on the road. And they're not worried about the Central Michigan home crowd, right, being 0-3-1 against the spread. So I think they're going to come in with a lot of confidence. I still think they have a lot to play for as well. So Buffalo's going to be the more motivated team. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on you know home field advantage, especially in the match
4: I think that it's so interesting with it being a midweek game because, I mean, typically when you think of midweek games, you think of like your big college basketball matchups in January, February, where there's snow out there on the ground and there's, let's call it what it is, not much else to do in a place like Wisconsin, in a place like Minnesota. You're either just going to be sitting at home watching like rom-coms or something like that, or you're going to be going out to a college basketball game, which typically college basketball game is a little bit better in my personal opinion. You might disagree and I have no qualms (laughs) about that, but that said, I do think that when it comes to just like these late November games that you see on a weekday, it doesn't necessarily have the juice. Unless if you get something like it's very, very rare because like From time to time, you'll see a team from the MAC be able to crack into the top 25. I remember like Toledo quite a few years ago. They were just a complete juggernaut out there in the MAC. You just don't necessarily have that this year. I remember Northern Illinois as well. Got to give them a little bit of love because that's a team that has really been able to build themselves up Not this year, though. So I do think that that is important to take a look at. And it's also important to take a look at what we're going to be getting in terms of some of the big games for Saturday. And this one just really jumps out at me personally. And if you don't have a play on this, do not worry there. But just want to get your initial thoughts on taking a look at Alabama coming off of the big loss that they took over the weekend. They now have to go on the road against Ole Miss. And the betting market Still so has Alabama very, very highly rated. They are currently a twelve point favorite and a total of sixty three and a half with Alabama. I think that in terms of the priors versus how they've performed, they just have been a team that is not necessarily been able to live up to their billing. I feel like this is an Alabama team that they're still going off of the name brand of being Alabama at this point. No question Bryce Young has been able to do a solid job for the team, but I just feel like this Alabama team is lacking a little bit of the, for lack of a better term, oomph from past years, and I still feel like this is an Alabama team that is not being properly priced, and Ole Miss has been impressing me this
5: season. Yeah, Ole Miss is a good team, especially at home. This total here is set, is set at 63 and a half. I think the biggest difference with Alabama this year versus previous years, not really their offense, it's their defense. I think they're allowing teams to stay in it, and it's and it's giving the other teams a lot more confidence. And when you are you know, an 18-, 19-year-old five-star recruit and you go to Alabama and you lose a game early, now you've lost two games, you kind of lose your motivation to kind of play the rest of the season again i'm projecting here i'm not the player here on the field but i do think they're very disappointed right obviously in alabama it's going to be up to nick saban to get his teammate or his team up for games like this Uh, because you never know anything can happen they can go on a run and you know maybe a a tennessee or georgia may drop a game here and there and they might right back be right back into the thick of things so For them i think it's going to be really up to nick saban to keep them motivated and focused and these are the situations where if you come out and do make and make a statement especially here on the road i think a lot of people are going to take notice
4: that is going to be such a fascinating game for this weekend and a weekend of college football that i do think that there's going to be some very valuable sponsors also quite a few games like USC versus Colorado, where it might be a little bit of a beatdown in terms of some of those. And when it comes to the NFL, we don't necessarily have a lot of demonstrative spreads, which makes it all the more fun. We're going to be taking a look at NFL Week 10 next with Albert Wynn. You know him better as the analytics capper. And we're going to be diving into that slate right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson
0: Hoops, Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Watch football with a little bit more on the line by playing for free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Guinness. Set your lineup and watch the action unfold as you play for your share of $115,000 all season long. Guinness made of more. In terms of conditions and other eligibility restrictions, they do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports banking Network being rejoined by Albert Wynn. You know him better as the analytics capper. And Albert, we took a look at a little bit of college last segment. Let's take a look at a little bit of NFL now and let's get things started with Thursday night football. Right now, the Falcons are a three-point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Last time, these teams did battle. I didn't think it was going to be a good game, but it was one of the most entertaining of the season. It involved a helmet being ripped off that changed the entirety of the game. A kicker missing a sub 40 yard field goal with the Falcons being able to get the job done. So, I mean, boy, oh boy, you had no shortage of excitement there. I don't think we're going to see the same fireworks here, and I think that it is interesting that the totals went from 40.5 to 43.5 because I just take a look at both of these offenses, and I don't think that they're going to be able to channel the same sort of excitement that they were going to be able to have in game number one, and if I like anything right now, I'm looking at the under with the way that, well, you just have really bad quarterback play on both sides.
5: Yeah Greg the under here is a great contrarian sh- uh, sharp play there there was 71 points in that first meeting 2 weeks ago that you mentioned 37 34 and the total here is super low so you got to think about why Vegas or why oddsmakers think that the, the total should be low obviously a lot of it is going to be cuz it's on Thursday it's also an away game this or it's in outdoors you know in carolina instead of in a dome so there there are different factors there but the fact that it's a 30 point uh, you know, n- number that's less than the than 71 from that previous week. It, it's big telling. But for me, I like the minus three here for the Falcons. I know they just played and the Falcons won by three and the, the spread right now is still at three on the road. I think the Falcons are a better team. They haven't covered in three weeks now, including that 37-34 win. So it's a great spot from them from an ATS standpoint. And I don't know if you watched the, the previous game here against the Chargers here. The Chargers went into Atlanta. Um, It was an up-and-down game. Chargers didn't have anybody, and Justin Herbert was able to pull it out for them. And that was a crazy ending in its own right. Um, You know, the Falcons forced the fumble, recovered it, uh, was running it back, and then fumbled it back to the Chargers. And the very next play, I think Herbert hit a 22-yard completion to put them back into field goal range, and they won by three there. So that's a heartbreaking loss for Atlanta, who, if they had won, uh, would actually have control of this division. The NFC South is kind of crazy right now. We know the Bucks came back and, and beat the Rams as well, so they're tied. But I think the correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the tiebreaker is owned by the Falcons. And I think, moving forward, I like this Falcons team. I like what Marcus Mariota is doing, not only on the ground with his legs, but he's finding receivers. And I think they're utilizing their, you know, multi-dual threat quarterback very well. So I like Atlanta in this game, minus three. I think it's going to be a blowout, to be honest. So if you're looking at an under spot, maybe look at a Carolina Panthers team total under, things like that, because with P.J. Washington and the way he struggled last week, I don't think it's going to get any better with only two days of practice.
4: And you mentioned P.J. Walker, who got the start for the Carolina Panthers. He literally had more passing attempts, And he had passing yards last week. He had 10 pass attempts. He had nine yards. That is not too terrific. So I personally, as a result, do lean quite a bit more to the under. I do think that it's going to be a long day for the Panthers. The only reason why they got points up on the board is because, well, you had the Bengals completely take their foot off of the gas and What do you make out of spots like this? Because we saw a very similar one last week where the Arizona Cardinals, they were a two and a half point road favorite. They've lost that game to the Seahawks. Seahawks then go on the road as a two point underdog. So, A big giant shift in the line, and the Seahawks, they were able to win this game outright. And what you're saying here on this one, and I think that you're correct on this one, if I'm looking anywhere, I'm looking to lay the three with the Falcons, is that the first time they made the line, it was just completely wrong. And now they have finally gotten this a little bit closer to what it should be. And I do think that that is the case, the latter of what I just mentioned.
5: Yeah, and and this is the minus three, and they're they're the road team as well. So on a neutral field, they would be essentially a a six-point move. Yeah, essentially six points, like you said. So a, a touchdown better than his team, and I think they're playing better. We've seen a lot more from their offense recently. So I, I do think the Atlanta Falcons should win comfortably. And if, we, if they are who they thought they are, right, they're <laughs> first place in the NFC South. I mean, these are the games they need to take care of, especially against a team that is very, very obviously tanking for the number one pick. And you brought that up after I
4: referenced the Arizona Cardinals. Well done, <laughs> Albert. You get a gold star for that one. And I think that we need to get a gold star for breaking down this game as it is the Chargers against the San Francisco 49ers. Now with the Chargers, less than an appealing win. And you just mentioned it against the Atlanta Falcons. They got a little bit of good fortune in just the fumbles that we saw in general in that game. I don't think that the Chargers are going to be able to win this game outright or anything, but... A seven-point underdog against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the Chargers are dealing with all sorts of injuries with regards to the receiver core. Guys like in Mike Williams and company, they're dealing with ailments. But I just take a look at this number, and I don't know if the 49ers should be a full touchdown favorite. I think that this is just a little bit of disrespect for the Chargers.
5: Yeah, this is very similar to this past Sunday night when the Chiefs were 14-point favorite against uh, the Titans. And I'll be completely transparent. I took the Chiefs. I thought with that amount of points, the Chiefs hadn't covered at home all year long. I thought it was a great spot. <clears throat> Excuse me, but here I'm gonna lay, I'm gonna put some respect on the Chargers, the road team's name. Um, I just think Justin Herbert is finding ways to win. He's not, um, you know, setting the league on fire like he was last season or early this season. I think he's just taking care of the ball and he's uh, moving the team down the field and doing just enough you know, and putting that team in position for them to win. And honestly, the Chargers on the road have been way better than they are at home. Uh, we all know that they don't really have a home field advantage being in Los Angeles. It's all, you know, away fans going into that stadium. But on the road, they are an impressive 4-0 and against spread. I think San Francisco coming off that very impressive win uh, against uh, the Rams there, I think it's a great spot for the Chargers to come in and maybe not win outright, but if I'm on the dog, I'm most likely sprinkling the money line as well. So I do like the Chargers plus seven in this one. Uh, I would probably wait until closer to Sunday though. Yep, I
4: don't blame you there and we've actually seen a few places that have been very much shading this a little bit more in favor of the San Francisco 49ers. Looks like they've been taking a lot of money and I don't know if that's the correct side here. I think that we've went up a little bit too far with this line and with this line, I think that it's one of the most, shall we say, interesting of the week as the Green Bay Packers. They've not looked good this year. No fans or butts about it. They're going to be playing at home against the Dallas Cowboys with the Cowboys. They are now a five-point favorite. Total on this game is 43. And when I take a look at this spot, it's a situation where I don't know if I want to lay five on the road, but I know for sure that I want absolutely no part of the Green Bay Packers getting less than a touchdown right now. The, what I'm really looking at personally is the under because this Packers team, other than I believe once this year, have failed to break the 22-point plateau, and now they have to go up against a Dallas Cowboys defense that has been rock solid. I know a lot of people talk about the frustrations and the disappointments with the Packers defense, but honestly, when I take a look at them, they haven't been terrible. They haven't been great, but at the same time, they have not been terrible. What I really like right now in this game is the under because I think that Aaron Rodgers he just at this point has fallen off a little bit as a quarterback, and he's got absolutely nobody to bail him out.
5: Yeah, this is a tough game uh, for me to handicap. Um, a lot a lot of it's going to be dependent on the weather as well, Greg. We are in, you know, November, mid-November, so we'll see what the weather's going to be like in, in, uh, on La- in Lambeau Field on Sunday. But with that being said, the team that's better by far is Dallas. I think here we're getting some respect for Green Bay because they're going back home to Lambeau Field. They're coming off five losses, and it's still Aaron Rodgers. He still holds a lot of respect uh, when it comes to odds makers. But when it comes to the the two teams here on a neutral field, I would say this is at least a seven-point game. So they're giving the Packers uh, a couple points here of respect being at home. But I think when it comes down to it, halftime is when I'm going to probably hammer the under here because I think if the Cowboys get up early, they're just going to sit on that lead because they 100% believe that uh, the Green Bay Packers don't have enough offense to really uh, compete with them. So if they get up you know, by 10, 14 points at halftime, I think they're going to go the Bill Belichick route and really just sit on that ball and, and run it with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Yep, I do think that with the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to be looking to run the ball because you just
4: mentioned it in terms of weather. I'm someone from the great state of Wisconsin, so I've already got dialed up in my app. The weather for Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I've got it dialed up for Green Bay. It looks like it's going to be right around freezing, and it looks like it's going to be very, very windy. So, yeah, that is not going to be helping out if you're looking for a passing shootout or anything like that. So. Makes me like the under all the more. And what I like even more than that, having you on the show, Albert, you do absolutely amazing work. Thank you so much for joining me tonight.
5: Thank you, Greg. It was fun. We should do a side wager because this is two of our teams, right? You're the Green Bay Packer fan. I'm the Cowboys fan. This is the only time I get to (laughs) gloat. So if you want to put something on it, let me know. Well, I'll just be fading the Green Bay Packers. So (laughs) there will be that
4: with that. But coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at some college basketball here on VEASAN, the Esports Bank Network.
3: If you dare.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the sports betting network.
4: Ball sports are in full swing, and Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a football, hockey, basketball, or baseball fan, BetRivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promos like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Scorer Insurance, Friday Night College Football Bet Plus get Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and so much more. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on and the Sports Banking Network. Big thanks to Albert Wynn, better known as the Analytics Capper, who joined me the last two segments. It is always a pleasure to have him aboard. board. Talked about a little college football, a little bit of NFL. I really don't have a lot in terms of action, so it was good that he was able to fill the void for us as I do have college basketball. And coming up in the next segment, we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look forward at some of the NFL games that haven't gotten a lot of love on this show the last few days, be able to dive into those. But that said, we've got games for Tuesday to be able to break down in. And- So good to have games for Tuesday to be able to break down. Just a little bit of note as well. We don't have any NBA on the slate as well. I think that this is just because any of you guys out there are going to be voting on Tuesday. If you voted early, good on you. But be sure to get out there. Make sure you have your voice heard. This is not backing either party or anything like that. I just want people to have their voice heard and to be able to vote what you want to vote for. I do think that it's a very good thing and something we should not take for granted as you should not take for granted the fact that we do have college basketball as well. Let's dive into the extra games on the board. As I've already gone through the normal Las Vegas rotation games, but that's that said, we have yet to hit these extra games. This is currently a line that I'm seeing only up at DraftKings. Coppin State versus Georgetown, 306 621. 306 622. Georgetown is a 17 and a half point favorite, and the total on this game is 149 and a half. And with Coppin State, they're in a very strange spot. They're playing in a back to back. You also. Heard me mention that UW Milwaukee is in this spot as well, but with UW Milwaukee, I think it's a little bit different. They were playing the Milwaukee School of Engineering, a 91 team, so they didn't have to run their guys out there for overly long. And compensate was legitimately in a battle with Charlotte up until the final few minutes, where they got boat race late in this one. And as a result, I did have to knock down compensate in a typical spot. I'd be one to take the sub team and a half with them, but I did have to take them down a few points due to the back to back. As a result. I'm on to lay up to 18 and a half when it comes to Georgetown. And with Georgetown, I do think that they're going to be able to do a nice job of taking control of this game, Georgetown. As we remember, they went winless in the Big East last season. That said, they looked themselves in the mirror and they thought, you know what? We should probably upgrade our roster a little bit, and they were able to do so. Kudus Wahab, who was able to be very productive for this team. When they made their run to the NCAA tournament in 2021, he is back in the fold. He should be able to give the team A plus rebounds per contest. They lose Aminu Muhammad, but that said, they are going to be having back in the fold Ryan Matumbo to be able to help out a little bit down low. And when it comes to this Georgetown backward, it's completely new look. They bring in Jay Heath, a double-figure scorer from last season from Arizona State. Actually began his career out there on the East Coast with Boston College. Wayne Bristol Jr. is someone they able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. He was a double-figure scorer at Howard. And guys that have transferred in from Howard have had quite a bit of success here in the Big East. So that is something to look at as well. And a Kuku Cook, I think is one of the most undervalued players really in terms of the transfer portal from this past season. Shot 46% from three-point range last season at UConn. And when he was a freshman at ten, he had two and a half blocks per contest. So he's got very good versatility. And then for Coppin State, they actually do have a guy that I really like, and his name is Sam Sessions. Sessions comes in from Penn State, and when I was at Penn State a season ago, he put in there 12 points per contest. Shot over 40% from three-point range, but it became very apparent in that game against Charlotte on Monday that he just doesn't have a lot of guys be able to help him out as they do lose pretty much everyone not named named a Tark from last season. Now, with Tark, Tark the Shark was one of the top players in terms of Seals Force on a per possession basis last season when he was out there on the court. So that is helpful for this team. But at the same time, you really don't have a whole heck of a lot else to be able to help out this team compensate. They always play at a very demonstratively up tempo style in Georgetown. Is a bunch that they really don't play a lot of defense at all. So I do think that this is low on the total. I set my total closer to a 160. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. You're going to notice that a lot of book bankers, they really don't put out demonstratively high or low totals. This time of year, you're noticing a lot of things that are between about a 130 to a 145-ish. They don't want to take too much of a position on something too high or too low. But I think that this is a total that should be jacked up with compensate being in the top 10 in terms of total possessions per game. Last two seasons, they gave up 82 points to Charlotte on Monday. Now here they are going up against an even more up-tempo Georgetown team on Tuesday. I think it should be points upon points. Willing not delay the 18 and a half here with Georgetown, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. Now we've got to take a look at a team that literally had their coach resign today. I don't think I've ever said that in the opening night of the college basketball season, but... That's what we've got here in 306-619, 306-620. Sacred Heart is on the road facing off against Hartford. And you probably want to grab it now because this is a line that is moving. Sacred Heart opened up a two-point favorite. They're now a five-point favorite. And your total on this game is 144. I made the coaching resignation worth two points a the line. I originally thought that Sacred Heart should be a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Now I've got them as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So I still do see a little bit of value even though this number has been running a little bit. I just have to question whether or not you're going to see Sacred Heart or you're going to see Hartford guys just decide, you know what, I'm not going to suit it up because my coach and John Gallagher decide, you know what, screw this. I'm just completely out of the fold. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. And I really can't blame John Gallagher for deciding, you know what, deuces. Because this is a Hartford team that during the 2021 NCAA tournament, they made the tournament. They covered the spread against Baylor. They were really building something upward. They're going to be going down to the D3 level next year. It really makes no sense, So As a result, you've got a Hartford team that everyone that is still on scholarship, they're going to have those scholarships honored, but they can't sign any scholarship guys. So it led to a mass exodus in the offseason. You don't have anyone returning that averaged more than 5.5 points per contest last season. And they're going up against the Sacred Art team that they're going to be looking a little bit new look as well as they lose someone in Aaron Clark, who was able to register about 15 to 16 points per contest. Tyler Thomas, as they said, she'd suffer, but you bring back Brandon Johnson along Nico Gallette, These two guys, they were able to register about 14 to 15 rebounds per contest. I do like their overall game for Sacred Art. They are still giving out D1 scholarships, which means that able to attract a little bit more of a talent pool as well, and they did a solid job in the transfer portal, bringing in someone in Aiden Carpenter that when he was at Siena last year, was able to put up 7.5 points per contest. Raheem Solomon actually stepped away from basketball last season to focus on his academics, get his career, from, get his degree from Niagara, so you salute him. Now he's back out there on the floor after he averaged for his career while at Niagara right around 8.5 or so points per contest. Mid-30s three-point shooter, and I really think the X-factor for this team is a guy by the name of Mike Sixsmith. Sixsmith, last season season. Saw a little bit of a dip in production. Average 4.5 points per contest during the 2020-21 season. He averaged 8 points per game while shooting 54% from three-point range among qualifying D1 players. He was in the top five in all of college basketball in terms of three-point shooting percentage. The Sacred Heart team should be able to completely roll down low even though you do have a little bit of size with Pierre Sal coming in from Virginia Union. Actually began his career for a Another HBCU in Hampton. He's going to be down low for Hartford, but has never really proven anything at the D1 level. I think that this line move is very warranted. I mean, you just have a Hartford team that they are completely gutted with their coach resigning. Typically, when it comes to coaching change, it's like, all right, now you've got a win-one for the Kipper situation. They can a coach I was not getting the job done. It's going to fire them up. That is not the case, in my opinion, with this Hartford team. And Really, when it comes to coaching changes, I don't think that they're all built equally. Like if you're taking an NFL example, you had Frank Wright, who I felt like was a little bit out of touch with his guys. You tell that he never really got in the truly the quarterback that he wanted. Now with Hartford, you have a guy that he truly loved his guys and John Gallagher. You could tell that they got the most out he got the most out of his guys. And now that he's out of the fold, Who in the heck knows what's happening with Hartford? Because once again, they aren't going to be playing at the D1 level this year. They're now going to be playing at the D3 level. And I think that that should be our pro tip for this hour. Visa.com slash subscribe for all of these pro tips. We give one out every single hour on every show. You're able to sort them by show and by sport. This is going to be my pro tip for this hour. Not all coaching, shall we say, firings, not all coaching moves are created equally. You've got some like with the Indianapolis Colts where they need to happen, and it's a case where they've sort of lost touch with their respective teams like you have had with Frank Wright. Meanwhile, you've got a guy in John Gallagher for this Hartford team that the guys absolutely loved him. He is stepping away from the program. You saw that with the Manhattan Jaspers as well when they had Steve Massiello decide, you know what, we are not going to – with Steve Maciel, he was actually fired, but you could tell that he was not happy that he was not extended in terms of his contract. There was apparently a heated argument. He is now away from Manhattan, and Manhattan had three other top seven scorers transfer out of the program. Going to be a very, very fascinating to see what happens with our good friends over there at Hartford. My six-half line is assuming that everyone that is currently on the roster, like a Briggs, McCallan and company, that they are all going to be playing, but if you do see guys decide, you know what, I'm going to be leaving the program. This is a line that I'm going to be sending even further upward as well. and. Very interesting in terms of the total as well. I did set my total at a 136 half Sacred Heart. They're neither a fast team nor a slow team. And then with Hartford, they've traditionally been a little bit more of a defense oriented team. So here at the 144, looking at the under as well. And in our number three of the Greg Peterson experience, going to end up on a little bit more college basketball. But we're going to be leading off, taking a look at some of the NFL games that I've yet to hit for week 10 here on the show the past few days here on VSIM, Esports Bank Network.